Tonight we'll continue our study on the gospel from 1 Corinthians 15. We have seen in the course of our study that the gospel is the good news. The Christian gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ, specifically his death and his resurrection. We've already studied from this passage his death, that Jesus died as a penalty, as a substitute, and as prophesied. Verse 3 says that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And now we've been studying his resurrection, that he arose from the dead, and he did so on time, on the third day. And today I want us to consider the scriptural witness of the resurrection. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, let's consider this. And just ask for God's help as we do this. Father, help us to uh, be on the right side of your word as we look at this, and help us to uh, be strengthened in our faith, in particular by what you say in, in regard to the scriptural witness of the resurrection. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been reading the newspaper or are up on some things on social media, you'll realize that our community is in a little bit of a drama about a certain position that's becoming vacant in the next six months. An individual has been put forward as a candidate but there are some of the community folks who have pressed back and they have stated the candidate's credentials and they say they don't fit the criterion that's been set forth by the board. And therefore, these folks are against the candidate and they want folks to go back to the drawing board. They want to reopen the search. And the reasoning that they have is quite simple. They want things to be done according to plan as far as what they understand the plan to be. Now, there are some things in life that work out when things don't go according to plan. But there's a sense of stability that comes when things work out according to plan. And when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to be assured that it was according to the plan of God. And we know it was because of what we read in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 15. It states, he, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The truth is that God planned to raise Jesus from the dead. And we know that because his resurrection was prophesied according to the plan of God revealed to us in his word, the gospel. It happened as it had been planned. So two points this evening. Let's consider the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was known in the scriptures. And Jesus affirmed that fact about his resurrection. He affirmed this before his death. So... Luke 18, verse 31, 33, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says to them, See, we're going to Jerusalem, and everything that was written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. And we often think of the next things that he says talking about his death. But part of what he says is written, that will be accomplished, is what comes at the end. And on the third day he will rise. And that's the exact same thing the angel repeated at the empty tomb. Beyond that, Jesus he asserted that the resurrection was scriptural after his death. When he was on the road of Emmaus, Luke 24, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Both his death and his resurrection were written in scripture. And the scriptures affirm his resurrection. Jesus affirmed that they did. And as we go through the scriptures, they do. The question is, well, where do they? 
what passage can we think of, particularly to the Old Testament, that shows us that his resurrection was prophesied? Well, the apostolic witness helps us out because we learn from them, from the apostles, that Psalm 16 foretold the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter, Peter preaches, he speaks of the resurrection of Christ was done in accordance with Psalm 16. So Psalm 16, verse 10 says this, You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, that's the place of the dead, or let your holy one see corruption. And Peter cites that passage on Pentecost, and he asserts that David didn't speak of himself in that case, but he spoke of Christ's resurrection. And later on, Paul, when he was preaching at Pisidia, he made the same point from the very same psalm. This is Acts chapter 13. He cites Psalm 16, and then he says in verse uh, 36 of Acts 13, David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. So Psalm 16 foretold the resurrection by asserting that Christ would not see corruption. The apostle also told of the resurrection by the fact and the promise of the Davidic covenant. This runs back, for example, to Isaiah 55, verse 3. Incline your ear, come to me, hear, that my, your soul may, be, may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast love, sure love for David. And Peter the Apostle takes that and he asserts the Davidic covenant is a support for the resurrection. So Peter on Pentecost again says, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 30 and 31. Peter again connects the resurrection to the Davidic covenant. This is Acts 13 again. Verse 34, and as for the fact that he raised them from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he spoke in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. So the apostles saw the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant as a support for the resurrection. According to God's promise to David, the Messiah would reign on David's throne forever, and that required him to be alive to do so. Therefore, Christ can't remain dead. The resurrection finds its basis in these implications that he's not going to see corruption and he's going to reign forever. Isaiah also helps us out and gives an implication of the resurrection. Isaiah 53, verse 10 through 12. Christ says that when his, uh, or Isaiah says, when his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. You say, how can the suffering servant see his offspring if he's dead? He has to be raised. Well, he shall prolong his days. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many be accounted righteous. We have justification there. And he shall bear the iniquities. Therefore, I will divide with I divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. You say, how can he enjoy those things and if he's not alive? He can't remain dead and, and do that. So Isaiah describes events that follow Jesus' death that require his resurrection. 1 Peter 1, 11 also refers to those subsequent glories. But you and I interact with this whole concept of one thing being predicated on another. We, we, we interact with that all the time. So when you walk by a store, you see an ad, and it says free bag. It really isn't free. 
You can't walk in the store and say, I want my free bag. Instead, with a $50 purchase, the bag is free. The purchase or the, the free bag is contingent on the purpose, on the purchase. And so it is here. The, the fulfillment of the promises, many, many promises to Christ are contingent on his life. He has to be alive to fulfill those things. To avoid corruption, he had to be raised. To sit on David's throne, he had to be raised. To see his offspring, he had to be raised. And promise after promise in Scripture is predicated upon his resurrection. But even more than just the event of the resurrection, we have even the timing of the resurrection that's foretold. Jesus says that in Luke 18 as well as Luke 24. 1 Corinthians 15.4 doesn't make that specific point, but Luke does. The question is, what Old Testament passage is there that actually predicts the timing of the resurrection? Well, Jesus helps us out by pointing to the sign of of Jonah. Remember, it says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then we have Jesus make the connection in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 and 40. No sign is to be given except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, the point is that the stories of Jesus and Jonah are parallel in time, three days and three nights, and in experience. I want you to remember, it's in the experience, I'd say, as well. In chapter 2, Jonah says, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried. Psalm 16 said, you'll not abandon my soul to Sheol. They both experienced Sheol. They were both delivered up from Sheol after three days and three nights. And what's unique about the parallel between Jesus and Jonah is that reading the story of Jonah, we'd never known that there was a connection until Jesus made the connection. Yet, the truth about Jesus and the truth of Jesus and the truth of the apostles is that they said again and again the resurrection was foretold. The timing of the resurrection foretold. It was all prophesied in Scripture. And when we get to 1 Corinthians 15, 4, that's just plated stainly. Plated, uh, stated plainly. Jesus arose just as it had been foretold. So his resurrection was known. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ was secondly necessary according to the scripture. Jesus said that it was necessary. He said that before he died. For example, in Mark's gospel, chapter 8, verse 31, he began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. All of those events were necessary according to Jesus. And he said as much after his death, Luke 24. These words, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He said, what was written? Well, he tells them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. So Jesus says, is of utmost necessity that he rise. And Paul affirmed the same necessity when he spoke in Thessalonica. This is Acts chapter 17, verses 2 and 3. Paul went in, as was his custom, and on the third Sabbath, three Sabbath days, 
He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. You say, why is it so important for Christ to be raised as the scriptures foretold? Why is that important? Well, because our faith rests in the certainty of the word of God. If Christ was not raised as was prophesied, our faith would be in vain. Because it wouldn't be in a sure word. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with our current community dilemma about this candidate and the criteria and and what's going to be decided. But obviously, that situation is significant. It's a significant position. It's going to have an impact on our community. But when we think about the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scripture, that is of monumental importance. Because it was prophesied. And if we're going to trust the word of God, then all of it must come true. You see, we are called to trust in someone who's not dead. We're called to trust in someone who's alive. You just imagine, how could we have faith that we will receive eternal life and the promises made by someone who's dead? That just doesn't work. But the guarantee that we have is we can trust the person who rose from the dead, just as was prophesied, fulfilling every bit of Scripture as it was laid out. Father, help us to trust your word, and in particular in this matter, because it it holds true to the promise that we, uh, the hope that we have, what we can't see. We can't see eternal life. All we know is that we live for a time and we, we pass on. Father, we we trust you. We trust your word. We trust what your word says about Christ. And we are so thankful that you've worked this faith in us so that we trust what your word says. Against reason, against what we can observe, we believe your word. We believe the testimony that you have allowed us to get our hands on and to read and to understand. We pray that you'll continue to use it in our hearts to change us into your image. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.